With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael DePodpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer, Rohan. Oh, these y'all seats? Not your name? <laughs> Rohan, the basketball was spectacular on Sunday, whether it was the Tatum-Durant duel at the Garden, Nikola Jokic essentially locking up the MVP race with utter dominance in an overtime win against the New Orleans Pelicans, or the Suns almost beating the Bucks while playing Bismack Biombo and JaVel McGee at the same time. Great stuff. I'm happy to inform our listeners that the NBA is back. What did you make of it all, Rohan? First of all, can I tell you a uh, quick story that's tangentially related to the Glenn Big Baby Davis <laughs> seat fiasco? Of course. I This is a total accident, even though it, it should have been obvious based on the name of the class. But my freshman year at college, literally my first semester, I uh, switched into a class called Analysis and Performance of Literature, not realizing that the students would be the ones performing the literature. <laughs> and for our uh, for our last um, performance of the semester, we had to write it ourselves. So like typically we'd perform other pieces of famous literature. I was clearly by far the worst performer in the class. Like, like it was all theater <laughs> students, and like they were like, "Why are you in here?" Um, like people would do lighting adjustments and all kinds of stuff. But for my last performance, I performed a self-written piece um, about moving up to seats that weren't yours in a sporting event. So, you know, it's now all come full circle. Uh, shout out to Glenn Big Baby Davis. Um, I'm really loving that they've brought back the Sunday doubleheader. I feel like that has been out of our lives for a while. Um, the Agreed. basketball has been, yeah, the basketball has been fantastic post-All-Star break. I definitely want to talk about the Celtics, 
But I also just want to shout out the Suns because I was texting you about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a game from DeAndre Ayton yesterday against the Bucks, And he was doing a little bit of it all. I mean, he's still – I was looking this up. He's averaging, I think, 1.3 points per, per possession as the roll man in pick and rolls. I mean, that's insane. Um, he's been incredible playing, obviously, with Chris Paul. But to see him yesterday have success in the pick and roll, hit his little foul line, elbow jumper. Uh, I'm really impressed with DeAndre and really impressed with the Suns. Um, I mean, they were right there with the Jazz, right there with the Bucks. They end up having the comeback against the Knicks. I mean, yesterday they're playing without Cam Johnson, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker, and they give their, you know, they give the Bucks a hell of a shot. So, just really impressed with the Suns. Like, really impressed with what Monty Williams is built there. Uh, I think a lot of people are curious what this team could be without Chris Paul in the future, and I think we've seen a glimpse of it uh, since the post All Star break, and it, it appears to be still a really bright future. Also, Mikhail Bridges, like, shout out forever to Mikhail Bridges. What mm-hmm. a steal. Like, just so much more than just a 3 and D guy. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm just really, really impressed with Phoenix. Uh, yes. Uh, Aiton, that was his highest scoring game of the year. He's starting to take threes with Chris Paul out, yeah. which is just really funny and awesome. And that was a big selling point of his coming out of Arizona. It was like, oh, this guy can – he'll be able to shoot threes when he gets to the NBA. We haven't seen that yet, but I hope we see it more. I hope he kind of develops that and we see it actually in the playoffs as soon as this year. That would be really mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but, yeah, like the Suns just, they're one of those teams. They have it. They have the the self-belief, the the cultural know-how, the, whatever it is. They just win, plug and play. You put campaign. I mean, crunch time. As I texted you, is a different story <laughs> when you have campaign yeah. running the pick and rolls instead of Chris Paul. But they could have easily won that game. I know they lost by like double digits, but it was very close up until the final two minutes, and it took this I, like ridiculous yeah. Chris Middleton performance for the I find to it, win. I find it fascinating. This happened in the Knicks game too, that they keep setting picks for campaign to go right late in games. I I, I don't know why he's why they that that was where Giannis got the block if I remember correctly was campaign going Mm -hmm. to his offhand it happened late in that Knicks game too and he kind of smoked a layup against Mitchell Robinson it's just interesting to me I don't know why they keep going to campaigns offhand uh late in games I don't know if it's just like a maybe he prefers it but that's a that's strange to me I want to see the the Rohan Nodgerny uh 2000 word piece explaining why campaign goes right. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. I, I, yeah, there's a few things. Yeah. That I, I find intriguing about what they've been doing without Chris Paul, but I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I might end up writing about Deandre Ayton just cause I, again, I mean, he's doing all this, what an ultimate team player he's been kind of with that contract situation hanging over his head. I mean, we do got to talk about the Celtics because that was a crazy game. I mean, that was an outstanding game. Um, yes, what it like a absolute like showdown between Tarrant and Tatum. It was incredibly fun to watch. We were texting about it, um, aka I texted you after Aldridge got a stop on Tatum, and <laughs> I said Lamarcus Aldridge is Jason Tatum in jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean. 
you texted us this and it was right, and I meant to follow up on it because Stephen A. actually talked about it out of the game. Kind of crazy that Durant never tried to guard Tatum for a possession. The Nets were just happy to switch Seth Curry and Goran Dragic onto him or any one of their guards, frankly. Clearly a game where you could see why they need someone like Ben Simmons. I want to ask, though, because you sent a tweet. I think people thought I was going to like argue with you about it, but I, I, I'm... We've slowly been having this conversation for a while now because many weeks ago I, I was like, I feel like I was saying the Celtics were legit before you were fully ready to admit it to yourself or at least admit it publicly um, or at least start talking trash in text. Um, I mean, they've been really good. So I just want to follow up on that conversation we had last week. I think the clear top five in the East has emerged. It's Milwaukee, Philly. Boston, Miami, and you just have to throw Brooklyn in there with the healthy Durant. I think Chicago, which has a really road-heavy schedule, we were talking about this. I, I, they've started to slide. I think they've lost four in a row now, and they have still have more road games and home games left. Um, Cleveland, they've had a good season. I think they're sliding a bit. Obviously, they've you know Lavert's been out, but their offense, I just don't think, is going to be able to win. Jared Allen fracturing his finger. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's huge. So we, I think we've got kind of a clear top five here. So I, I want to, now that we have a little bit of Harden and Embiid time, we've seen what the Celtics have done against better competition. Who's Who are you feeling is your final four right now? Uh, well, I do think that the Celtics, the Celtics look like a championship contender, like a legitimate one. I would not be surprised if they went to the finals. And I mean, it's at one of their the, best, they're as any good it seem in the East, at, at the very least. Well, it's also just like, and I tweeted this yesterday, but they just have the fewest questions. And sometimes you look at numbers, all the numbers point to Boston right now, all the algorithms, advanced numbers. In 2022, they have the highest net rating in the entire NBA. Um, and sometimes just like numbers just don't lie. And this team has the fewest concerns, the fewest questions. They have an absolutely, in my opinion, complete rotation, eight-man rotation. And the addition of Derek White really solidifies a lot of what they want to do on both ends and allows them to play in a way that they couldn't in the past despite having a lot of really talented individual defenders because they would always have a in this era of Celtics basketball, they would always have a Kyrie Irving on the floor. They'd have to have a Kyrie a Kemba, or yeah. a Kemba. They don't have that anymore. Like with Marcus Smart as the point guard, Marcus Smart's your best defender, one of the best defenders in the whole league. That's suddenly a strength. And they have by far the best defense. defense like The one thing I'll say, but I don't believe, but I think could be a criticism is that when you get into a, a playoff series, as opposed to a team like Miami or a team like Milwaukee or Brooklyn, um, the Celtics have already kind of maxed out what they can be with how they're playing and how their rotation shakes out and how healthy that they've been. And you look at Miami, we haven't really seen Lowry, Jimmy, Bam, Hero together a ton at all. We haven't seen Ben Simmons, period, Um you know, the Bucks. we haven't seen Brooke Lopez this season. <clears throat> and Pat Connaughton's been hurt. Huge part of their rotation. But I, I, that doesn't really draw muster for me. Like, I just think when you look at uh, 
how the Celtics have played with their best lineups, just obliterating everyone in their path. Uh, the fact that everybody knows their role, the fact that Jason Tatum is just, I mean, clearly a top 10 player in the league. I don't think that that's controversial at all. And they have a recipe to win the championship. So I hope I answered your question, but I'm very, you very didn't. high on No, you didn't, didn't at all. You actually completely <laughs> ignored my question. To go into clearly well-prepared agenda like straight handed down straight from the Bhagwan Brad Stevens. You were like, here's the today's talking points. So you did not answer the question, which was who's your final four in the East as of today, March 7th final four in the East. I mean, I'm going, uh, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. I got to leave okay. Brooklyn out. I got wow. look, Br- Brooklyn. Well, I mean like, look, Brooklyn is in the plan. They're probably going to be in the plan. They're going to have to face the number one seed, likely Miami. We talked about this um, last week. You don't you think I. Brooklyn can get up to seven? Uh, I mean, they could. You still got to be in the plan, though. I don't know. I, I like then they would. They'd have to like play Toronto and go to Toronto. Kyrie can't play. Just a lot of question marks. The Joe Harris surgery. Yeah, I, I just be- beaten Joe Harris. I have a hard time believing. I'm not saying it can't happen or it won't happen. Just anytime you tell me Kevin Durant's going to lose in the first round, every team in the East, you could look at and be like, "Well, it's going to be really hard to beat that team four times in seven games." Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree with you. Um, I'm just playing like, devil's. It, I mean, I don't even disagree, but yeah, it, it's. It's crazy to think they might lose in the first round. It is. Um, this is the longest open that we've ever had. I think we're going on twelve minutes here. Uh, I know it's we're like actually- Mission. It's like Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout. The longest like pre credits. <laughs> this is what happens when you're just talking about hoops. I don't. You know, we're just we're letting it go. We're just enjoying it. We're loving the basketball. Exactly. Oh, so Jokic bro- last night. Oh my uh, god! We can we uh, this would get just off the rails if we started talking about Jokic. We're we're definitely going to have plenty of time to talk about Jokic, who yeah. is the MVP. I don't care what anyone says. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about every time i refresh my dms it's 14 blue check marks of people i didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me hear that in all episodes of the nikki glazer podcast on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the nikki glazer podcast to start listening okay um rohan on today's show we'll be opening up the mailbag to uh contextualize john morant's greatness and wonder if steve nash should be on the hot seat uh, but first, a quick reminder to our listeners to please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. 
All right, Rohan. So I want to open up today's show with an email from a listener named Darren, who has something to say about the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Darren writes, hello, guys. Like most people, I haven't paid too much attention to the Warriors' recent struggles, figuring that there isn't much to see because if Draymond returns healthy, they will be fine. And if he doesn't, they won't. I caught their last few games, and it has me questioning if we are glossing over flaws that we know have sunk good regular season teams in the playoffs. Number one, do they have too many weak perimeter defenders? Seeing Luka hunt Steph repeatedly wasn't new, and when Draymond is there, they have proven they can mitigate that. Seeing LeBron and even Westbrook repeatedly hunting and torching Clay was an eye-opener. It shouldn't be unexpected after the injuries he has had, but it is a big problem. The Warriors now have to cover for two, maybe even three guys you can hunt if they are closing with Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole. That is all a tall task, even with a healthy Draymond. Number two, they play so many bad free throw shooters who can be exploited with the hack a strategy in key spots. Looney, Draymond, JTA, Kaminga, and GP2 are all bad free throw shooters, and most concerning, Andrew Wiggins is only at 63%. I feel like if another playoff contender has these issues, issues we'd pay more attention to it than we are with them. Uh, thank you so much, Darren. That was a wonderful email. Um, I'm just going to say before I throw it to you, Rohan, uh, I am not concerned about the Golden mm. State Warriors, and I still fall into the when Draymond is healthy, then they'll be good. And when Andre Iguodala is in the rotation, they'll be a little bit better. And if neither of those guys, or most importantly, Draymond, is not 100%, then it won't matter, and it'll be irrelevant. So like, I, I hear the, the concerns here about weak perimeter defenders i'm not that low on clay frankly the version of clay that we see we saw over the weekend i don't think it's going to be the version that we see in the playoffs and i'm also just not we we i mean steph curry i don't think is someone that really gets hunted hunted i mean like if you get into a matchup with luca then you kind of figure that out. And I, I think the Golden State Warriors are smart enough defensively to figure that out as best as any team can figure out Luka Doncic. But I don't see Steph Curry as a as a glaring defensive weakness. And also, the free throw shooting is like whatever to me. <laughs> I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe that's just me being uh, blind to it as a, an actual issue. And it could nip them in the butt at some point. But like, I, I'm not that concerned. What do you, what do you think about this? Well, I I do think there's a few things here. One, I think Draymond has become as close to being as important as Steph to the team as you can be by not being Steph Curry. I mean, he's just so much of a driver of what they do on both ends of the floor, just as a playmaker, getting over to the right position offensively, making the right pass, etc. Obviously, what he does defensively, the way he covers up for holes, etc., I'm with you on Steph defensively. I mean, we talked about this. Like, Devin Booker, for example, is who teams hunt on the Suns, but I don't think Devin Booker is a bad defender. It's just the best option for opposing offenses at this point. I'm a little bit concerned. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Think about the guys we were talking to at the start of the season, like Otto Porter, Bielitsa, I mean, the Steel. Uh, those guys haven't been making as much of an impact lately. I, I'm with you on if when Iguodala plays, they'll be a little bit better, but I just don't know how much you can count on Iguodala at this stage of his career. 
or how mm-hmm. many consistent minutes he can give you in a playoff series. And uh, they just that is giving them some holes in their rotation. I mean, Draymond could come back, I think, as early as next week, but we're going to have to see how he looks. Like, dealing with a back injury is no joke, and, and he's been out for a while now. Him and Clay haven't played together except for those couple seconds. Um, against Cleveland, they so they're going to have to. Yeah, they, they haven't, yeah, they played, haven't played together. together. Yeah, so they're going to have to find a way to, you know, reintegrate those two together as well. I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, Wiggins, Wiggins has not been good. I think for like a month now, it's been a struggle for Wiggins. Um, he's put up kind of a, a series of clunkers in a row. Uh, his shooting, I think, has dropped off a little bit, so he's not getting to the free throw line. I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, I was really high on this team coming into the season. They start off super hot. I still think that we could see what they can be when Steph and Dre have it going. GB2's been really good. Kaminga's been good. But it's not so much that I think that they are bad or they don't have a chance. I just think the gap that it had existed between them and you look at maybe the Memphises. The Dallas, uh, you know, Dallas has been really good. I think Denver, if they mm-hmm. get even MPJ back. To me, they've just, that gap that that was previously there between them and all these other teams in the West, it doesn't really seem to be there for me anymore. Would you say that's more about the other teams in the West, though? It, it's more about the other teams in the West, but it's a little bit about the Warriors as well. That's fair. I mean, because I guess just, if, if Draymond is even compromised a little bit because of this back injury, I mean, he's so clearly so important to what they do. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with that. I think answering just how this question was framed and how we're looking at the team through the lens of of, of Darren's email, it's like beyond Draymond's injury, there's these issues with this team that are being right. overlooked. And I don't care that much about them, I guess. Right, right. In the playoffs, Steph's going to play a lot of minutes. Clay's going to play a lot of minutes. The rotation shortens. Right, right. um, Hopefully with Steve Kerr, who's been known not to do that in the past. But hopefully the rotation shortens. You're going to maximize, assuming Draymond's healthy, maximize minutes with Draymond. Um, and Steph, you hope that Jordan Poole, you stagger those guys, hope Jordan Poole's shot comes around in the playoffs and he can be a creator for you and um, an instigator off the bench. Um, so I'm just not, like, their defense still, like, first of all, their, their offense with Steph um, on the floor since Draymond went out is still, like, second best in the NBA. Yeah, Their, their defense overall since Draymond went out is still top ten. So, like, yeah, I, I think it's it's honestly, for me, it might be a little bit more of what I've seen from Dallas, how well they've played, with, especially since the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, love Denver. I love everything about Denver, and they still don't have two of their three best players. <laughs> it's just like Denver's really wild. Um, and the Grizzlies, which we're going to talk about later, like they're a really feisty, confident team. It's very athletic and young and has given the Golden State Warriors issues in the past. So I think it's honestly more about the competition than it is. And we didn't even mention the Jazz. Jazz are good. Maybe not the best matchup. Killing it, yeah. But yeah, the Jazz are also good. And like, so maybe we shouldn't have been that high on Golden State at the start. 
Um, could I mean, be the they case. were killing it. They were very good. I agree. They were very good. Um, oh, you're not worried. About, I'm a tiny bit. It's not that I'm worried about Clay. It's that it is. It's kind of weird to see Steph and Clay play together, and it not be Steph and Clay. It, mm-hmm. Like it's crazy to me that he's become less important than Draymond. I mean, obviously, it's it's unfair to expect him to be Clay right away after the amount of time he's missed and the severity of the injuries he's had, but. That's been uh, it's been interesting, and I, I'm I'm obviously hopeful that he returns to being the clay we know and love, but uh, I'm maybe not as confident as you that it comes back so quickly or just in time for the playoffs. And maybe it won't. We yeah. don't. I'm just being optimistic, and right, it might be blind optimism, but. Either way, the Warriors are good. Steph's awesome. Hopefully, Draymond comes back healthy, and we see this team make another playoff run. That would be very fun. Um, I'm not betting against Steph in a playoff series, though. He's he's still electric and ridiculous, and even when he's not hitting the shots, the attention that he draws is still why their offense is absurd when he's on the court, regardless. Um, okay, let's jump into this next email. It comes in how from... Few, how few points do you think Steph could average and the Warriors still have, like, an elite offensive rating? Like, if he was... I bet he could score, like, 14 points and they could still just have one of the best offensive ratings in the NBA with him on the floor. I think that it would... That's a fun question. I think it would matter... It would depend on who else is on the floor. Yeah, true. You're just saying, like, this roster, then I don't know, but... Like vintage Iguodala, a um, little bit more spacing around would be nice. Um, Bialica, please unshackle Bialica. Let him let him be free. <laughs> <laughs> My guy is just he's waiting to thrive. Um, but that's a, that's a fun question. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening okay let's let's quickly jump into this one it's an email from uh from a listener named tosin i i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly um tosin writes hey squad i will be brief the nets have been awful with or without kd Kyrie, harden and simmons yet steve nash seems to be sitting pretty on the bench why is there no one calling for his head the lakers have a far worse squad Yet everyone is trying to run a championship-winning coach out of town. I don't understand. Am I missing something? Thank you for that wonderful email. Uh, Rohan, do you want to take this from the jump? Well, first of all, I see Nets fans calling for his head. 
and criticizing Nash after almost every game, I see just haymakers being thrown at Nash. Um, like, Nash was awful. We lost this game because of Nash and Kyle. I see that stuff all over my timeline. I saw someone yesterday being like, how could Nash be so good of a – so smart of a player, so bad of a coach? God, I'm not sure I remember who tweeted it, but I see, I see a ton the, okay, of Nash real criticism. Quick. Real, real quick, I'm clearly not following the same people as you. I'm not saying that you're making up tweets or anything or that you're imagining this uh, Nets fans is something that is just foreign to me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, you know, shoot shots. At, Yo, at the shout, Nets out to my base, boy, but... shout out to my boy Sam Latchow, uh, who's just, you know, <laughs> mixing it up in Nets Twitter every day. And like, yeah, man, they got a, they got a, a fierce and loyal uh, community on there. So, yeah, it exists. What is the what is Steve Nash doing that is drawing ire? I don't I don't That is I don't what know. I that is what it comes down to for me because I just don't know how you can judge Steve Nash. I thought he should have been a coach of the year candidate last year, frankly, with all the guys they had coming in and out of the lineup. And it's the same thing this year. I mean, no Joe Harris. The Kyrie situation was absurd. Durant got hurt. Harden quit on the team. Uh, those are your best players right there. I mean, people are like, oh, what's he doing? He's got Seth Curry and Goron or whoever guarding Tatum down the stretch. But it's not like he had a lot of options. You know, Bruce Brown was there. He's still a a smaller guy, limited ultimately in what he can do. Um, I just think it's a little bit unfair to judge Nash right now. They've dealt with so many things that were frankly out of his control uh, you know, I think he's had limited opportunities to put his imprint on this team. Um, I thought he did a good job coaching him in the playoffs last year. Um, he's if if there's a criticism I have of him, it's he's willing to push his guys, and and who knows how that may or may not have contributed to some of the injuries we've seen there. Just the number of minutes he plays guys in the regular season sometimes, but mm-hmm. I yeah, I just I mean, listen that that Celtics game. I texted you this like. If Ben Simmons had the competitive spirit we were talking about, this is exactly the kind of game we want to see him in and see if the impact he can make. I mean, that's clearly the type of player they are missing. So I'm I'm still willing to give Steve Nash the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, by the time this season is over, Nash will essentially have coached like three or four different teams in (laughs) one year. Like that's that's hard. <laughs> that's that's tricky stuff, uh, especially when the, the the players who are in and out are so ball dominant and so. Yeah, and it's such a top heavy roster. Like, right? Yeah. And there were players who were brought back or or brought in in the off season who, you know, I'm talking about like Paul Millsap and. Uh, Blake Griffin, guys who I thought, and I think the Nets thought, had a little bit more in the tank. And instead you're forced to play James Johnson heavy minutes, DeAndre Bembry before you waived him. Um, Bruce Brown being in and out of the rotation at the start of the season I thought was pretty odd. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, yeah, that was weird. Steve that was Nash weird. Doing? Um, but yeah, like if the Seth Curry, Patty Mills, KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons Nets iteration that we hopefully get over the next few weeks, if that group stinks, then I'll be like, why does this group stink? And I'll look at 
Steve Nash and look at what he's doing and then we can criticize from there. But it's like so much going on that is just out of his control. And again, Joe Harris, he is huge. <laughs> it really can't be stressed enough. I know I sound like yeah. an idiot and a maniac saying this, but like Joe Harris is huge for this team. He was. Yeah. And you just like erase him from the equation. It's a different team. So Also, like if the Nets that was a very close game against the Celtics yesterday. I mean, that was a it could have been a toss up at the end. Like if the Nets win that game, the conversation's entirely different. We're talking about how Brooklyn is the first team to have success against Boston's defense in like three months. So mm-hmm. I you know, let's just pump the brakes. Like Katie just got back. Um there's only of Kyrie part time. Um so I'm willing to, yeah, I'm willing to wait it out on Steve Nash. I also think, like, I know this is, it, it does not jive with our job descriptions, but you just can't get too bogged down on, like, one Sunday afternoon game and, like, who guards who. I know, I'm just, like, in our text thread, just, like, throwing bows because it's fun. But, like, to be on national television and be like, yeah, KD, where were you? It's like KD played great, and who I, cares? I know what you mean. Yes, season. I know what you mean. I, I'm with you generally. Like it's funny we were texting after that Bucks Heat game last week, and I was like, I don't know how much importance to put on this. You can. I will say this: that Bucks Heat game, that Nets Celtics game, they weren't played with quite playoff intensity, but they were also not played with regular season intensity. You know what I mean? Like. There are some games where you could tell both teams are really into it, really committed to winning, um, really focused, really fresh, etc. You don't always get that, but I think that was one of those games. I'm not saying Katie could, should have picked him up for the whole game. You would have liked to have seen him on Tatum, I think, for a couple possessions down the stretch um, sure. in the last two or three minutes. So, you know, like all things, there's a middle ground. Um, there's a compromise. I'm with you. It's... It's like I've been having this argument with with Heat fans. I mean, they had this week last week where they play the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers, and everyone's wondering, oh, how do they? Are we focusing too much on the crunch time offense? Like, but there is something you said about you want to see the process of these teams. You know, how are they arriving to certain things? Um, what is the what is their half court process like late in games on both sides of the ball? Um, try to at least identify some patterns. So. I think for the Nets, at least, we identified, like, yeah, they really need Simmons because you cannot expect KD uh, to do it on both ends of the floor. I think that's a little unfair. And it's also, I know this is a much broader discussion than Steve Nash's abilities as a head coach, but if you just, like, the playoffs are just so much different than the regular season, and Mm -hmm. I think that people lose sight of that when we're in the middle of the regular season sometimes. And it's like, all right, so in, you know, throughout that game, um, Seth Curry is guarding Jalen Brown. In the playoffs, it's like, if that were the actual matchup, the Celtics would be eating that a lot. Like, that's that's what they would go <laughs> yes. to over and over and right, over. Right, it's like, right, And it's just like, in the regular season, you're not trying to do things like, you're not trying to, you're trying to win every game, but you're not like deviating from who you are. Yes. It's more important to build up who you are in the regular season than it is to try to beat every single opponent like that. And 
and change what you're fundamentally great at. You're not, so in the you're playoffs, only like, the yes, self, you're only yeah. like 50% tailored. You're not a hundred percent tailored to what the other team is doing during the regular season. Right. You can't do that in the regular season. There's not yeah. days to solely focus in on one opponent. And right, right. Like it, that's why in a playoff series, it's just so different. It's like, if you saw game one, Seth was on Jalen. Okay. Heading into game two, Ime Odoka would have all these different ways to attack Seth Curry, knowing that that was the matchup that they wanted. It's like, it's just, it's, it's honestly like apples yeah. and oranges increasingly. Um, so, yeah, so I guess Steve Nash can keep his job. That is the verdict of this discussion. Wonderful. Um, okay, Rohan, so this is uh, the meat of today's episode, and I've wanted to do this for a while. And I feel like we haven't talked about him really. I mean, he's been mentioned for sure on the show because this is an NBA podcast in 2022. But we haven't talked enough about Ja Morant. And some of that is intentional on my part because I've been working on this magazine profile about him for the past few months. And I didn't want to cross streams too much, if that makes any sense. Um, But that story is finally going You're... You're just looking at this podcast and like, how can I do what's best for me? And I get it. That's fine. Exactly. So, some of us look at it as kind of a team effort, <laughs> you know, but that's not you. And that's fine. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. Hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my John Moran story is going up tomorrow on SI.com. Everyone can go check it out. And so I figured now... Despite Memphis's recent slide, uh, last night as we record this, they lost to the Houston Rockets um, in Houston, which was kind of a, a, a pretty bad loss for them. I feel, feel like now is a, is a good, safe time to have a jaw conversation with you. Uh, his rise is arguably the most important story in the league this season. And to uh, set the table, I just want to read an email uh, that we received in September right after our uh, top 100 list came out. Um, So here is that email. Guys, you have now fully released your top 100 NBA players, and I'm very curious with the Ja Morant placement. I do think he is a good player, but putting him over guys like Chris Middleton and Jalen Brown, Ja Morant did have a good second year, but I don't think he has been better than some guys you put behind him. I do not want to read who wrote that email because that would not be fair. But it contextualizes, I think, just where some thought he was before the season began. And including us, we had him at 25 on our list. Behind Donovan Mitchell, Carl Towns, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, and uh, Zion Williamson at number 20. (laughs) But... It's just, it's, it's remarkable to me. I think if we were to redo the list today, Jaws easily a top 10 player. There's no question about it. He's been, I mean, there's a lot of historical comparisons that one can make with Ja, a 6'3", 180-pound point guard who plays the way he does. But really, we've never seen something like this, where his efficiency is up in a way that Allen Iverson's never was. And... Uh, he leads the league in, in points in the paint as a guard in a way that we haven't seven in at least a quarter of a century. He averages more points in the paint than Giannis. It's like, 
it really boggles the mind what he's been doing. And so I guess I wanted to start things off. We have a couple emails about Ja that I've been saving for this this episode, but I want to start just by asking you, Rohan, um, on a scale of one to 10, how surprising has Morant's season been for you? Wow. I wouldn't say it's been surprising. I mean, clearly we didn't think he would be as good as he was when we were doing the top 100. I think we all thought he was ready to make a leap. I mean, you talk about the third year leap all the time. I think that we were all like cautiously optimistic about where Morant should go. I don't quite remember the specific conversations we had about him now back when we were putting it to the list at least, but I mean, he was incredible down the stretch last season, and I think I really started to buy in. I mean, it was impossible not to buy in after the combination of the playing game and that game one against Utah where he was just, to me, that is what cemented it more than anything because, you again, you just want to see how players like him, how are they going to operate in high-stakes games? How are they going to operate when teams are geared to stop only you in those playoff environments, when the game plans? start to to tune up a little bit. And that was when I really bought in. I, I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, oh, I predicted this. I just was so enamored with him that I'm not, I'm not like, shocked either. You know what I mean? It, it's just been – he was starting to show signs of this last year in terms of just how exciting he was and how he performed against great teams. But watching him in the paint – He's a savant. Like he's an absolute savant in the paint. It's whether he, the way he splits pick and rolls, splits double teams rather, uh, uh, finishes around big men, tries to dunk on everybody. His floater uh, ability to find the right angle off the glass. Like I, he has, I think the he's just unlocked this level of. No matter what you throw at him in the paint, he has a counter, and he doesn't even seem to need to think about it. He just does it. It, it just within the perfect flow, he counters whatever you throw at him in the paint. One hundred percent. I think part of the surprise, from my point of view, is it's about him individually. I'm not gonna lie, because like I didn't see him. Um, jumping up and becoming you know i'll just like read some of the numbers that have increased dramatically um from last year to this year so his per last year was 16.7 this year it's 25.1 he averaged 19.1 points per game last season this year right now he's averaging 27.6 last year on um, his field goal percentage last year was 44.9. This year it's 49.4. Up in two-point field goal percentage. His yeah. three-point percentage has been, um, right now it's at 34%. Last year it was 30%. And his usage is now up among the league leaders, up with your, not necessarily Embiid, because Embiid's ridiculous, but it's up there with like everybody who's a primary a lead primary baller said thirty four percent up from twenty seven. No, I, that's a great point. Year. I will say the the efficiency has been that's I think definitely been the most impressive part about all of this. It's mm-hmm. it's the efficiency that which he's doing all these things is it's so difficult for someone his size to be as efficient as he is. Right, and the other part of it is just the team. Like, no one had the Grizzlies 
as the second best yeah. or third best team in the Western Conference coming into this season. They were a, okay, maybe they can be at best a six seed. Maybe at best they can avoid the play-in. That was pretty much where everyone had them coming into this season. They rolled over pretty much the exact same roster. And we've seen improvement from Ja. We saw improvement, especially defensively, from Jaron Jackson Jr. Desmond Bain might win most improved player. So it's not just Ja Morant, but... Nobody saw this from the yeah. Memphis Grizzlies. And like, they've done just... it. And, they, and the Grizzlies have done it with injuries. I mean, Morant missed time. Dylan Brooks has missed a ton of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the the team success has really been shocking. So now I want to read you two emails that are very um, interesting in how they diverge, and I want to get your take on who is more accurate in their point of view, looking at John Morant's season. The first comes from uh, a listener named John, who writes, I just finished watching my second straight Grizzlies game. Ja had 98 points in the two games on way over 60% shooting from the field. It's not just the eye-popping numbers. In each game, he had at least three plays that should be on anyone's top 10 plays of the night highlight reel. My question is, are we really still not even mentioning him in MVP discussions? I'm not saying he should be MVP, but can he at least get the same polite nods people keep giving to players like Steph, DeMar, and Luca? His year, in my opinion, has been better than any of those guys. Did anyone see the Grizzlies as possibly the second seed in the West? That's him, almost single-handedly. Who's his number two? Jaron Jackson Jr.? Desmond Bain? He wouldn't be the number three on any of ten, of ten other top teams. Wow. What am I missing? So that's from John. Now I want to quickly read an email from Andrew, and then we can uh, see which one we agree with more. Uh, this comes in for Andrew, who writes, Dear Open Floor Crew, everyone seems to be vaulting Java Rant into the MVP conversation <laughs> and making it a big four rather than a big three, the three being the obvious trio of Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. It's also led to conversations where Luca and Ja are being pitted against each other in the standard who would you rather have for the next five years or who would you rather build a franchise around discussions. And it's starting to seem like the sentiment around NBA Twitter and the media is that they'd rather have Ja Morant. Luca and Ja have identical scoring numbers and Luca gets more rebounds and hands out more assists. Their advanced stats and catch-all metrics are 50-50 in favoring one or the other, although Luca is clearly the better defender, however that could just be attributed to size and strength. Since the start of the year, Luca is at 29, 10, and 9 versus Job being at 34 and 6. Both really great, but if we are going to, quote, boost Jokic for his performance with lesser teammates and now potentially, quote, fault Embiid for having hardened in the race for MVP, then why is Ja seemingly so far ahead of Luca in all these conversations when the Grizzlies? lead over the Mavs is due to them going 12-2 and two without Ja and Luca playing with inferior teammates. Thanks so much for the great pods, Andrew. Um, so, obviously, uh, Andrew, and I just found this very interesting that these two yeah. emails from Andrew and John that were written very close to one another and sent in could be so on the opposite end of, ends of the spectrum in kind of looking at the season that Ja is having, 
whether it be in the discussion of MVP or um, just great young players in the league and where he kind of stacks up. So whose email do you agree with more? John, the first, who, who doesn't understand why Ja isn't in MVP discussions as much as he is, or, or Andrew, who thinks that he gets too much love? I I don't personally want anything to do with Andrew's email just because I see like the Memphis Dallas blood feud starting on the internet, and I don't want like I just don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to touch that discussion. It's already getting way too aggressive. Um, I, those two teams just need to play each other in the playoffs so their fans could have it out. Like I'm seeing a lot of like Jokic or not Jokic, a lot of Luca versus Jaw stuff. Then I'm like, yeah, that's a tough question. I'm not personally trying to answer it anytime soon. Um, I think the way the MVP voting, or the way the MVP races shook out, I think there's a clear top three. As I guess it was Andrew's men- email mentioned, I think Jokic and Bede and Giannis are the top three. Mm-hmm. And then I think you have a bunch of guys who are deserving to be in the conversation. Jaw. Instead of saying, it, I don't know, it has to be either or. I think Ja and Luca can both be in that conversation. I think DeMar DeRozan deserves to be in that conversation. I think that's probably the next three. So I, I think that uh, I think that Ja deserves to be in the conversation, but I don't think it has to come at the expense of Luca. I think they both can be in the conversation. Who who I would put above the other right now? I got to be honest, I don't know. And I do think that Memphis's success without Morant is an important factor here. I think that does say something about what they built their team, how talented some of those other players are. I know that uh, John seemed to be taking shots at Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain, but they've been really, really those good. Those guys are good. Those yeah. guys are good players. So, um, and, and also they haven't had Dylan Brooks, as you mentioned earlier, for a very yeah. long time, and he's uh, they're also a very good player who mm-hmm. they need right now, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think that both can be in the discussion. I'm going to make the case real quick for Ja actually winning MVP because I see a path. And to win it, he basically needs to have more of the – I don't know if he has to have another Spurs-esque game where he just like – he makes plays that the NBA is suddenly just like, this is the most watched Instagram clip we've ever posted. And I was just like, what, what is yeah. even – what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, I have no idea how that was calculated, but uh, but the, the 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 path for Ja is essentially have a few more sprinkled in on, on national television. They played tomorrow night against the Pelicans. That's another opportunity. Just have sprinkled in unbelievable performances and big Memphis Grizzlies wins. The Grizzlies finished with the second best record in the NBA, second best record in the Western Conference. Um, Harden plays continues to play absolutely unbelievable basketball um, averages more points than Embiid down the stretch here as Philadelphia kind of rises in the standings um, so siphons a little bit of the attention off of Embiid uh, Jokic's Nuggets finished sixth in the conference and people just start to ask themselves like okay because I think that one of the qualifiers for MVP is like who in 10 years will you look back at this season and remember the most and to me I know my perspective is 
um, particular because I traveled down to Memphis and I've been watching basically every Memphis Grizzlies game all season. Like I will remember this season for John Morant, but I also feel like that is a player who really stands out above the rest and in in the vein of that question. I don't know. Am I am I wrong to say that? Like in ten years, when you look back at the 2021-22 regular season, are you going to be like that was the year that Ja just yeah catapulted himself? That's what I'm going to remember. No, I think that's a good point. I'm not again. I'm not sure that I would make that case, and I don't think that ultimately you would have John number one on your ballot. But I think that is the path. That is nope. the case, and it's not a it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. Um, yeah, the Job versus Luca stuff is interesting. I do wonder if maybe we've you know the Mavs had such a weird start to the season, and you couldn't quite put your finger on them. And I do think people are giving their defense credit, but I do think maybe there's something to be said about how uh, Luca is starting to fly somewhat under the radar. I mean, as great as Ja was, Luca was the conference player of the month in February. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've both been on a tear. It's just kind of the. It's not that I think we're taking Luca for granted. It's that we've kind of seen him reach these heights before, and we know what he can do. Whereas Ja, what Ja is doing is it's electric. It's exciting. And it's some there's the kind of performance we typically don't see from a player in in that physical package. Um, like you said, I mean, more points in the paint than Giannis. It's not like he's some kind of crazy shooter. I mean, what he's doing is just it, it's yeah, it's just like breaking all the rules, you know. I mean, I know they played in different eras, but like, and you'll appreciate this. Like, John Moran is averaging, and not by a little margin more points in the paint than Dwayne Wade ever did. Like, process if, if that. Anything, yeah, if anything, like, that's, like, this is not a paint-bound era, you know? <laughs> like, um, this is the era of shooting. Like, the fact that he's doing that, I mean, it's, yeah, it's truly remarkable. It's truly remarkable. So the Luca question, Luca versus Ja, is... Um, it's interesting. Like the, the what I'll say about Luca winning MVP. Luca's been so fantastic of late. It's just like you can't have you can't have recency bias when you when you move for MVP. And like he came into the season out of shape and was mm-hmm. not very good <laughs> for weeks. And that was a reason why his team wasn't very good. So I can't when we're when we're like it's not to say that Luca isn't excellent. Mm-hmm. Or the Luca, if we were to just cut off the season at January first or whatever, and gone from there, that he wouldn't maybe be in first place in this conversation. But it's just like when we're trying to filter yeah, out yeah, the part of the, the very part of the challenge. Of the very best, yeah. Part of the challenge is doing so it for like, all eighty-two games. Exactly. That's why when Hart people were talking about Harden winning MVP last year, I was like, "Y'all forget that this dude like." <laughs> just whipped a chess pass at John Wall's head when he was just like, <laughs> I want out of Houston. Like, come on. Like, you can't win MVP when you, when you do stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of build off of that, of this discussion real quick by asking you, and I, I saw in our roundtable before the Celtics-Grizzlies game, we had a question that was, who would you rather build your franchise around, um, Jason Tatum or John Moran? And your response was basically, this is my favorite question that has ever been asked of me. Oh I am God. diving into it with great enthusiasm and vigor. Um, so I just couldn't wait to ask you it again on the pod, not specifically about Tatum versus Ja, but any 
one player who's 25 years or younger, if you could build around, if you could pick one, would it be Ja for you or would it be someone else? I mean, it could it would be any one of them, and I'd be happy. I, you know, if I could pick Rohan, one, I'd be like, on. yeah, give me, give me whichever one. Rohan. No, you do Rohan, this all the time. You do this all the time, and now I, and yeah, and now I'm, I'm taking it back and I get, myself. And, and I get criticized <laughs> for doing it. Do I not? You do. I said in my answer on the website, and I'll say it again. I still think objectively the answer almost has to be Tatum, although I don't even know. We were talking about Cade Cunningham before we started recording today. Um, we haven't talked about Evan Mobley on this podcast in a long time. Um, obviously, those guys have a long way to go to catch up to Tatum and Morant and Luca, etc. But there's just a lot of good young players in the league right now. Okay, there's a ton, and I, I don't. I'm not. I want to see that generation have a little bit more ownership of the playoffs before I'm ready to start differentiating between them is really my honest answer because a lot of these guys right now still have not had to play with kind of the expectations that we were putting on the Stephs, the LeBrons, the Durants, um, the Giannis's, the Embiid's of the world. Um, they haven't kind of reached that level yet. And I, I want to see them kind of be the main players in the playoffs before I'm, I'm differentiating between them a little bit is kind of how I feel. This is where I come in and say that Tatum has already competed in two Eastern Conference finals. And this is this is where I come in and say that, it, yeah, the one exception is Tatum, who's the one person who should be held to any sort of standard, but you refuse to. Because no matter where the Celtics <laughs> go out, no matter where the Celtics go out in the playoffs this year, you're going to have the excuses baked in. You're going to have the explanations ready. You're going to be like, this is why this is not actually a disappointment. But Rohan, they started 18 and... 21 how could you expect them blah 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 so I no matter pro- I we, we I all know do that. oh i, I shelby I can you shelby can you at the 53 uh 49 mark of this podcast can you just uh <laughs> can you can you please make a note of that mike promising to hold tatum to uh to some expectations this year so yeah I, there's a lot of good guys in the league right now man a lot and if we really wanted to do this question like you just start thinking about like, bro, like Scotty Barnes has been insane. Um, there's just a lot of good up and coming players in the league right now. I I, <laughs> I agree that there are a lot of really great young players. Um, I think that Ja, Luca, Tatum. I mean, once Trey Young, I will throw into this conversation yeah. absolutely. Um, They've kind of they've reached a height that, like, you know, it's going to take a while for Kate, as you said, Kate Mobley. These guys are rookies, yeah. and we don't know what they're going to be. But the thing about Ja that's also Shangun, Shangun's got to be in the conversation, one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the Shangun, did you know Shangun has more dunks than Jokic this season? I just thought that was a funny stat that I looked up yesterday. <laughs> but anyway, um. The thing about does Jokic, really does Jokic strike you as a dunker? <laughs> <laughs> Jokic was dunking. He, I, he, what did he have? The game tying bucket yesterday was a dunk he, or something. Like he it was, was a free was, throw. He, he had a dunk late. He had a dunk late yeah. in the game. He had a dunk okay. when they went for a 
a bad two that ended up working out for them. He had a dunk. So the thing I'll say real quick about the conversation, when you're talking about like building around a player, we talk about skill sets and Mm -hmm. which is why I think you sided with Tatum, his size, his versatility, two way effectiveness. But there's also like the, okay, who is this person? And I think that is one of the reasons why we never said Zion's name in this conversation. There's a lot of questions about Zion, Zion obviously Williamson, physical. Yeah, number one, does he play basketball? Does Zion Williamson play basketball? Yes. The, the <laughs> physical ailments are of great concern. Um, then there is also the, okay, do people like playing I have no idea when them? the last time he played basketball was. <laughs> yes. But the 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 he has not texted CJ McCollum and CJ McCollum gets straight to him blah 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 blah. Not to bag on Zion, who I love and I can't wait to see play basketball again. But the question of okay, um, do guys like you, Steph? You I touch on this a lot in my story, but like when Steph was a rookie, guys gravitated towards him. Um, Guys really love, like, Dame Lillard, another, um, a personality that is just foundational to the culture of the Portland Trailblazers. Um, Loyalty, uh, humility, these are qualities that aren't found in every young superstar. So when you have that... Don't you put Udonis Haslam in that category. Oh, sure, 100%. (laughs) Um... I was not expecting that. Uh, John Morant, like, I talked to a bunch of his teammates, coaches, people who've known him for years. He's as humble as they come. And people just love him. Like, love, love, love him. And so I think that matters. I don't know how you – you can't quantify that stuff. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. I, Mike, I truly could not agree more, and it's – Something that I think we're, I hate to be that guy because you and I both love advanced stats, analytics, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's what we're using in our stories every day, but that kind of stuff does get lost. I was just reporting a story, similar situation. Like, there are some stars in this league that draw their best out of their teammates in more ways than just putting them in the right spot on the court. It's the star that makes you want to dive harder for the loose ball, focus more when you take that shot, mm-hmm. cut harder to the hoop. You cannot quantify that, but it does exist. Um, it absolutely does exist. Uh, yeah. And, it, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's something to be said about a superstar that everyone act, genuinely loves playing with. There was a uh, a moment in the, the – the Grizzlies lost to the Sixers earlier this year in overtime. And on one of the game's last plays – or it was the game's last play, Josh Split – um a blitz got into the paint defense converged he kicked out to zaire williams rookie one of the youngest players in the whole league wide open in the corner zaire missed the shot um ball careened up in the air tyrese maxi went the other way and and hit a layup at the buzzer and after the game jaws asked like hey did you make the right decision there blah 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 and he's just straight up like I trust, like, goes out of his way just being like, first of all, like, I trust Zaire Williams, love Zaire Williams. He's been hitting that shot for us all season. And 
Um, if you want to blame anyone, blame me. I made this mistake here. I went this for this from the free throw line, blah, blah, blah. And if you went after that and you looked at how Zaire will, and this is like really, maybe this is me reading too much into it, but if you look at how Zaire Williams played in the week after that game, it's like the best week of basketball of his but, career. Peter, I such see a, a correlation story. there. That's such a great story. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you a quick one. I'll, like, I'll never forget, Duncan Robinson told me like, in the finals, in the bubble, his first two games, he was awful. And he's like, I was pressing, I was pressing. And he's like, Jimmy Butler comes to my hotel room and we hang out for hours. And he's like, for the last couple hours, we didn't even talk about basketball. He just, he took my mind off of it. And you look at his, like, before and after that conversation, his three-point shooting, how much it improved. Like, your teammates can give you confidence. Like, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. That's such a good point. They took that t- a team photo after Josh scored 50. Like, that was one of the coolest moments I thought of the entire NBA season. Like, you know who's not taking – I mean, it's not quite the same. Listen, it's unfair to compare it, but it's not like the Lakers were all huddled up around LeBron. Like, <laughs> let's take a fun team photo after he dropped 56. Like, obviously, they're in way different situations, but they clearly have a camaraderie and a chemistry. And we all agree, ultimately, you need talent to win, but – that is when you're looking at teams that are equally talented or the, those are the kinds of things in the margins that, that can make a difference. And, you know, the fact that he has all those guys, like you never hear anything like Jaron Jackson Jr. wants more shots. Desmond Bain wants more shots, et cetera. Like, and that's, di- that's difficult for a young team. I mean, I, I think it's been overblown, but you, you've seen whispers of it with Tatum and Brown, right. And smart or whatever, like, Every now and then when the team wasn't doing great, there'd be some whispers, whatever. Like, it's helped that Memphis has had success, but you never hear anybody there being like, I want more shots. Uh, why aren't we getting more mm-hmm. success? Why is anyone talking about what we did without Ja? Like, it's clear that they're, they're all feeding off of each other's confidence, and it's awesome. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Can I ask you a question based off uh, some sure. text I sent you on talk about putting people on the spot? You're top five players in the NBA right now. Are you asking me to to give you my top five? You don't even have to give me it in a particular order, but who are your top five in the NBA right now? You know I hate this I for know you a do. variety of reasons. I know you do because and guess I don't what? know what it means. I know, I know. Oh, now you're upset, even though you asked me earlier. Even though you tried to put me on the spot earlier with a question I didn't like. Now I do it. You're, you're shaking your head. You're Because <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a case that Ja has been better than Steph Curry 
and LeBron over the last three months of the season. And that's not a slight to Steph because I feel like Warriors fans will get upset. Like, Steph is insane. We know the impact he's had with his shooting percentage. Like, no matter what it is, I get the Steph impact. I'm just saying there's an argument for Ja top five in the NBA right now. But I just, I'm just curious. All right, fine. Then instead of listing your top five, is Ja in your top five players in the NBA at this exact moment? No, he's not. Okay. 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 And and I love I love Ja, but he's not. And yeah, I will say the best player is uh, is Nikola Jokic. But again, we're gonna have a lot of time to talk yeah. about Nikola Jokic. I stand for Nikola Jokic. Um, yes. Okay. So one last question here um, before we end today's episode: Will Ja Morant win a championship in Memphis, Rohan? Yes. Wow. Said with confidence. Listen, the basketball gods, like, we deserve it. The world deserves it. Memphis deserves it. Shout out to Lang Whitaker. Um, shout out to Cooking with Lang. Um, like, yeah, man. It, it has to happen. I think that, the, again, there's going to be a point in time where the Morants of the world, you know, Luca to an extent, those are the guys going deeper into the playoffs. Those are the guys... Um, kind of controlling that time of year. And, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're already this good, if they can keep the score together, yeah, I think it's going to happen. You know, I I think it's so I – I think people really don't understand how hard it is. I also – I think I'm going to answer yes, in part because I think that Ja's going to be there, like, forever – like, yeah. I just I think he's Dame. I don't think he's ever leaving. I think the the coaching staff Taylor Jenkins is phenomenal. Um, front office Shout phenomenal. To Taylor all- Jenkins who gave a tribute to their PR man who just left Jason Wallace uh, yesterday. That was like a really cool moment. Like again, like the I'm telling like you do enough stories and you realize just how much it means when teams build a chemistry, build a culture when you feel like. Uh, the person next to you actually cares about your success. I think that translates to what happened on what happens on the floor. Yes, shout out to Jason Wallace. Shout out to Taylor Jenkins. Um, but it's also, and this is just looking in the short term in the Western Conference, like it's their path over. to the finals going forward. It's like Chris Paul is not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. All respect to Phoenix, but yeah. when he leaves, they'll yeah. just be different. Warriors are getting Seth Curry is not going to be around forever. Yep. 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 Uh, if the Utah Jazz don't go to the conference finals this year, uh, yeah, that's so not going to be break a pretty up. picture. Yep. So it's like Denver looks like Dallas, they will be Memphis, a thing. Yeah. Dallas will be a thing going forward, assuming that they're able to eventually get a second star around Luka. Maybe they don't even need one. Um, and like, I think the Clippers are going to win the title next year. I'm just saying that I've been a firm believer in that, but Kawhi and Peach, those guys aren't going to be around forever either. So it's just like maybe the Pelicans rise with Zion. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, how old is Ja? Like 22? He's 22 years old. Yeah. I mean, in five years, he's going to be in his prime. 
like yeah, God willing, wild. no injuries. And you, all those teams you mentioned are just, they're going to be too old. All those players are going to be too old. And it's going to be his league. It's going to be Luka's league. It's going to be Jokic's league. Yeah. So I'm glad we had this discussion. I've wanted to have it for a minute. Ja is fantastic. He's the most exciting player um, in the league. Love watching Memphis Grizzlies basketball. The Grizzlies are going to have so many nationally televised games next season. It, it's it's sick. It's it's honestly awesome, incredible, shout smallest out, TV market the, in the league. Shout out to the Grindhouse, man. Shout out to Memphis. They get up for playoff games. I love the atmosphere there. I hope they are like bringing Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and some of their old uh, <laughs> heroes back before their playoff games this year to just get the crowd whipped up into a frenzy. Um, I hope we. I hope I get to make it out to Memphis for a playoff game. Um, I'm really excited for their playoff run. Agree. Memphis is awesome. One of the best places I've ever watched a game um, in person. And I think that'll do it for today's show, Rohan. Uh, thank you so much for being yourself. Thank you to our listeners for all your wonderful emails. Uh, please keep them coming to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, we will check you later this week. Um, until then, everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the NBA season. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.